Praise the Lord. Amen. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Let's give him some praise right now. Hallelujah. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. I am so happy to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. And I feel like God's going to do something for us tonight. Amen. How many come expecting God to do something? Amen. Amen. We're going to go right into the word. I appreciate everyone that come out tonight. Those of you that are online, God bless you. Glad that you joined us tonight. We're going to go right into the word. Isaiah chapter 43, starting at verse 16. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16. It says, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in, my, in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horses, the army and the power, they shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former thing, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do new things. Now it shall spring forth. Ye shall know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You may be seated. In Jesus' name. Tonight, I want to talk to you about this. God wants to do a new thing. God wants to do a new thing. Research has proven that we all like novelty, new things. In one way or another, our brains are made to be attracted to new things. And it turns out that it can actually improve our memory and learning capacity. You see, car enthusiasts can't wait to see new models come out. Television enthusiasts can't wait until a new season begins. Electronic enthusiasts, amen, can't wait to see the next gadget, a new generation of electronic gadgets, that's that what they would look like. Computer enthusiasts, are anxiously awaiting for new microprocessors to hit the market. Cell phone enthusiasts must have the latest and greatest iPhone. How quickly novelty can disappear as we come familiar with the things around us, yet how completely stimulated we become we find yet another brand new experience and have a new sight to see. So we're always excited for something new. Even as Christians, we get excited about new things. But yet we come to church week after week expecting the same old thing and are satisfied with it. Instead, we should come to church every Wednesday and every Sunday expecting God to do a new thing. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of others. See, we got it down to a path. We know exactly how service is going to be. We know that at 10 o'clock, we're going to pray. 10.45, we come in a circle. 11 o'clock, we, we start service. Two songs, a prayer and another song. The pastor comes up. 11.30, he dismisses Sunday school. 
11.31, he starts to preach. 12.30, he finishes preaching. 12.45, 12.30, he has altar call. 12.45, we dismiss. See, we, we got it in our that we, we, You know, we, we got it in our head. We have foreknowledge of what's going to happen. Amen. So we got it down like that. I get that. I understand that. Because, you know, some of us have grown up in churches that don't know when to stop. You know, we've heard the story of the young young boy that after Sunday school, he was with his father at lunch. And he said to his daddy, Daddy, what does the preacher mean when he says finally? His dad looked at him and said, absolutely nothing. So, you know, I get it. There's nothing wrong with having a schedule. Paul actually said that all things be done decently and in order. So there's nothing wrong with the schedule. There are times, amen, that we allow the schedule to get in the way of God wanting to do new things in our lives and in the lives of others because of a schedule. I was stationed at Chanute. Air Force Base long, long time ago. Not stationed there, but I was there when I was uh, cross-trained into another career field. And w- I went to a Pentecostal church, and that church was stuck on this schedule. I mean, they were stuck on this schedule. And I remember clearly in one service that as the pastor was getting ready to close, the Lord fell, I, the Lord touched me, and I began to worship God. And and another another brother there in the church, he he was crazy. He was crazy about God, and he began to worship. And we had a Holy Ghost time, but because of the schedule, the people in the congregation didn't know how to react because they were so used to the schedule. They weren't used to God doing a new thing. Sometimes in our schedule. There's no room for God to move, therefore limiting what God can do. Well, I got good news for you. Despite our schedule, God wants to do a new thing. And when it comes to new things, here's what we should be expecting. Amen. More miracles, more healing, more people repenting, more people being baptized in Jesus' name, more people being filled with the Holy Ghost. More people that have lost that, that that lost their way coming back to the house of God. We should be expecting more and more and more. Amen. The Israelites had wearied God in their sin and disobedience, but God is faithful and promised once again to care for them and to provide for them. He assured them that He would provide water in desolate places and turn wastelands into fruitful land. Even if you're wandering in the real wilderness and you're experiencing dry spell, God is still able. We sing that song. We we don't sing it often, but we know it. You know, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. Then a little light from heaven filled my soul. He bathed my heart in love. He wrote my name above. Just a little talk with Jesus makes me whole. Amen. There is nothing too hard for God. 
David said in Psalm chapter 24, 23, verse 4, Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because God is with me. Thou art with me. If God would do a new thing in this life, in the life of, of the Israelites, then he will certainly do a thing, new thing for his people who he considers a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. Amen. God will do a new thing only if we would believe him. Amen. And since God did a new thing in the life of the Israelites, then he certainly would do a new thing for his people who he gave his only begotten son to save us. Amen. The word of God is true. God is not a liar. He will do a new thing. You got to believe it, amen, that God will do a new thing. You see, when we come together, we don't come together just for fellowship. That is part of it. But when we come together, we should come together in one mind and one accord and touching God, believing that God will do his best. This is when we come together in one mind and one accord. That's when God would do his best. Amen. When we come together, we need to reach out to God and ask him not only to deliver us, but deliver those that are in the congregation and reach, help us reach out to a lost and dying world. When we come together, we want the Holy Ghost to personally affect us. We will not just that we would not just love our brothers and sisters, but we love the sinner who's on the road to destruction and don't even know it. You know, sometimes we say the church is the best place to be. Amen. We say it's the best place we should be. Amen. If this is true, then every service we come in should all we should always create an atmosphere to allow God to do a new thing, no matter what part of the service we're in. Whether we're singing a song, whether we're giving an announcement, whether the pastor is preaching, we should always have the atmosphere that God would do a th new thing at any time. Amen. We should expect it in our mind that God would do a new thing, not, not going by the schedule. Amen. God would do a new thing. Amen. If you want to see God do a new thing in this church, amen, where the power of God is flowing, we need to be in a place where individuals are being filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be in a place where individuals are being delivered, amen, being set free, amen. That's where, that is the place where God will begin to do a new thing. When Moses, the deliverer, came on the scene and parted the Red Sea, God used him to do a new thing. When Gideon, called a mighty man of valor, defeated the Midianites with only 300 men, God did a new thing. When Samson, the Nazarite, the, the, Nazarite, the consecrated one, came on the scene and destroyed the Philistine, God did a new thing. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38. When Elijah was calling on God, he says, then the, Lord, the, the, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stone and the dust 
and looked at the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. You see, the Lord is doing a new thing. And the Lord did a new thing. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell and the men and women began to speak with other tongues, God was doing a new thing. And when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, amen, God began to do a new thing in you, amen. God is able to do a new thing. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 5.17 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. At, at the reading of the text, it was a time when the Israelites are in captivity in Babylon. And they had been crying out to the Lord to deliver, to deliver them. Early in the book of Isaiah, the prophet had rebuked the people of Israel for their blindness and their deafness. He called for the blind people who have the eyes and the deaf people to hear the proclamation of the new exodus. You see, God speaks to Isaiah and tells him to say to the people, Behold, I will do a new thing now. It springs forth, yet you know it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, I, I, I want to say this. I'm not a major, an uh, English major. I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know Greek. Well, I do know Greek, Alpha and Omega. So I do know Greek. But one thing I do know is that when the Bible was originally transcribed, there were no prayer paragraphs and no punctuation marks, very few. So when I read Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, if you could bring that up, I moved the semicolon from behind thing and moved it to behind now. So when I did that, it reads like this, Behold, I will do a new thing now. And it shall bring forth, you shall not, you shall you not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, we wait for a revival for God to do a new thing. You know, when we, we get excited, you know, we're having a revival and we're expecting the right revival to God to do a new thing. You know, when a preacher comes, we wait for the preacher, a new speaker to come to bring a new thing. But that that's not it. God wants to do a new thing now. 
We don't need to wait for the revival. We don't need to wait for a special speaker. God wants to do a new thing now. Amen. Not next week, not next month, not next year. He wants to do it now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. See, there is no time for delay because if we delay, delay we might miss the blessings of God. So I'd like to see God do a new thing now. You see, we've already seen God heal cancers in this church. We've already seen God, amen, take away tumors, amen. So God reminded the Israelites of what he did for them in the past. How he brought them out of Egypt in a mighty way. When their backs were against the approaching Egyptians, they were facing the Red Sea. God made a way in the sea and a pathway through the mighty waters. And when the Egyptians brought forth their chariots and horses, the mighty army, I caused them to lay down and not to rise. Amen. But God said, don't worry about the past. Amen. Worry about your future. You see, we serve a mighty God. Let me say that. We serve a mighty God. There is nobody that can do you like God can. He has all authority, all power, all knowledge, all control over this entire universe. There is nothing that escapes his attention. No event is too great or insignificant to avoid his presence. There is no one to whom he's accountable. There is no authority which he must consult. He has no equal, no counterpart, not even the exact opposite. He is the only existing one. He has all things in perfect control. You hear what I'm saying? His plan will be carried out even when it appears that evil is triumphant. He has all things in his control and in his control and he never makes a mistake. Therefore I declare that my God can do a new thing now. Amen. Hallelujah. He can do a new thing now. However, and this is where my Bible study kicks in. However, if you're going to see God do a new thing, if you want to see God do a new thing, you must not dwell on the past. Philippians 3.13 says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. You see, life is not what about comes up next. Life is about what comes up next, not what's about in the past. You see, we can be paralyzed by the past. Some things may happen to us in the past, may cause us pain, hurt, sorrow, and grief. We can't concentrate on the past. See, you can, we can get stuck and cease to move through life. You may get into a rut, rut and continue to rock back and forth until you give up on getting out. Let, let me say that again. You may get into a rut and continue to rock back and forth and give up 
on getting out. Amen. That's why God said, remember ye not the former thing, neither consider the old thing. We need to continue to move forward. God is reminding us that your past is not your future. Secondly, for God to do a new thing in your life, you must think that it always has to be big to be God. You see, if we think that it has to be big to be God, we might miss what God wants to do for us. You know, I really appreciate the prayers that's gone up before God for me. That's going to bring me up out of the chair. I believe he can do it. I know he can do it. See, that, that's the big thing. We look towards the big thing. But have you considered the little thing? Have you considered that, have you considered praying for the people that don't have 20-20 eyesight? You see, that's a little thing. But what we do is we compensate for the little things by going out and buy eyeglasses to make us look good. That's little things. But we need to we need to consider the little things. We always think of the big things. You know, it'll be exciting for God to raise me up out of this chair. I mean, it, I'd go crazy. The church would go crazy. But God can do the little things. And he can restore that, that eyesight. The little things. So it doesn't have to be big to be God. Amen. He can do the little thing. Amen. So I, I hope you, you understand what I'm trying to say. Amen. When I talk about the little thing. Elijah was on the run from Jezebel and was looking for the Lord. First Kings chapter 19, verse 11. And God said, go forth. And stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a small, still, a, in the fire, a still, small voice. God, it does not have to be big to be God. The Bible tells us great is the mystery of God. God said, for my thoughts are not what? Your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Amen. We're looking for the big, but it doesn't have to be big to be God. Who knows the mind of God? To see God, thirdly, to see the new things that God is doing in your life, you must accept the possibility. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we think, according to the power that worketh in us. Think about this. 
Abraham would have never ventured into Haran if he couldn't accept the possibility that there is a God in heaven that would lead him through this life. He would not have thought, brought his son Isaac, Isaac up to Mount Moriah if he couldn't accept the possibility that God would deliver. Amen. Of all the people, Noah never would have begun this construction of the ark if he couldn't accept the possibility that God could destroy the entire world with water. See, people doubted, amen, that it wouldn't happen. No, it had never rained before. So when Moses said God's going to destroy this earth, amen, it, it, people didn't believe it. And Moses had to believe that God was able. He had to accept the possibility that God would do what he said. The Apostle Paul turned his imprisonment into his pulpit. He had to accept the possibility that God would do it. You see, God can use us anywhere, at any time, and in any place. It doesn't have to be church. It could be anywhere. Amen. Philippians 1.12 says, But you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather unto me further to further the gospel. Is there anything too hard for God? Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Bless you. You must have enough faith to believe that God can do and will do new things in your life. Number four, if you want to see God do new things in your life, you have to learn to praise him for what he's done. I heard a preacher say this about praying, and, and, and I'm, I'm beginning to try to incorporate this into my life. He said when he prays, he prays an 80-20 pray, pray, prayer. He prays 80% in worshiping God, and 20% asking God. And you know, sometimes when I start out praying, I was saying, Lord, do this. And then I, I actually say, wait a minute, stop. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for waking me up this morning. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I was driving, and I came to a stoplight. I said, God, thank you for allowing me to stop. Thank you for the little thing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I can smell. Mm. Thank you, Lord, that I can taste my breath. <laughs> thank you. When I flip on the light, thank you, Lord, that I can see. Amen. Then I can say... Lord, touch my brother. Lord, help me. Amen. Touch my sister. Amen. 80-20. Give God thanks. Praise him. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You see, Psalm chapter 18 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalms 105-1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. 
Psalms chapter 150 says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty act. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psalter and heart. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the string instruments and organ. Praise him upon the loud sounding cymbal. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbal. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. See, if you find it hard to praise the Lord, amen, don't expect God to do great things. Don't expect me to do thing, new things if you find it hard to praise him. Amen. And I'm coming to a close. Amen. Finally. <laughs> Finally. To see God do a new thing, you must keep it, the line of communication open with God. Psalms 4, Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Amen. Always have that spirit of prayer. Amen. And number six, you will never see new things that God is doing in your life if you think it has to begin with you. No matter how talented you are, how spiritual you are, it's not about you. It's about his kingdom. Amen. Even in the Lord's prayer, he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your, your might. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. James 4 and 10 says, Humble yourselves. In the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Amen. We serve a great and mighty God. Nothing is too hard for my God. Amen. And when we come to this into this house, we should have an expectancy that God is going to do great things. That he is going to do miracles. You know, the pastor has been preaching it. You know, and it seems far-fetched that God's going to do, he, that he's going to bring back. So the, he, he calls it the prodigal. It seems like it's impossible, but nothing is too hard for God. And we must plead, we, we serve a mighty God. And we must believe as Christians that God is able to do what he said he will do. We must have that faith. And I pray tonight that this lesson has motivated you to pray and be sensitive to God that to allow him to do great and mighty things, to do new things in your life, in your family, in your community, amen, and in the church.
Amen. We serve a living God, and he is able to do new things. Amen. I trust the Lord will touch you, be with you. Amen. Amen. And I want to say this. If you are out there and you want to know more about God, and we are able to teach you a Bible study and bring new light into your life. Amen. I personally want to teach you a Bible study. So get in touch with the church. Say, I want Brother Johnson to teach me a Bible study, and I'll teach you a Bible study. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Amen. Be safe and be with God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You give light to our love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is Your breath in our 
Your 